Hello, church. Uh, if everything's going to plan, I'm in Jerusalem. I'm sitting at the Jerusalem University College. I really appreciate this sabbatical, and I, and I appreciate you allowing me this time to, to step away and, and study. Um, I'm here studying the geography of the Bible land, and hopefully I'm, I'm having a great time. You can pray for me, and you can just pray that I, I get all that I can out of, out of this, this time here in Israel. Now, this is the only uh, the only time that you're going to have a not in-person speaker during this, during this uh, season while I'm on sabbatical, this is just one that I, I, I had to do. I, 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 I didn't want anybody else to do this one. And the reason why I felt like I wanted to do this one, even though I'm away, is because this is the message that's all about the why. The whys behind re-hope. Why we do what we do. Why we focus on what we focus on. Whatever city we're in, whatever location, we're in, why things are designed the way that they're designed. And, and it all comes back to this whole reason I moved to Scotland over 16 years ago now. See, before I moved here, uh, God brought me into a long season of grief, actually, of grief over what was happening in Europe and the, the West, this, this massive multi-generational abandonment of the church. And, and abandonment of Jesus. The, 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 the ages past the, had all these people full of faith and fire, and yet that fire basically um, nearly uh, snuffed out and very, very invisible uh, in, in our current uh, generation. So uh, going through all these years of grief, and this is a couple decades ago now, all these years of grief birthed in me a, a vision to see God reawaken our land. To reawaken our, our, our cities, our, our, our nation, and, and our generation. To see this rapid exodus from Jesus turn into this miraculous return. Uh, to, to go from this massive rejection of God to this unprecedented repentance and return to the God of the Bible. So I started this learning quest before I moved here. This, this learning quest of what I wanted to know was what does it take for a people to reawaken? What does it take for a people to return to God? Not just for a few years, not just for uh, a decade, but, but for a lifetime to, to see a, a whole uh, redirection uh, of a generation going towards feeling more fresh and alive with God. And so what I started doing uh, a couple decades ago now was I started to lay down a plan which was going to be about this one thing. To lay the foundations of long-lasting reawakening. To lay the foundations of long-lasting reawakening. And that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do in this church. That's the why behind everything. We are aiming at laying down the foundations of long-lasting reawakening. Now, what do I mean by reawakening? Is that like a revival? Is it, is it different than a revival? Well, a, a reawakening is a lot like a revival, uh, but it has a different primary metric or a, a different primary focus when you're assessing it. So in a revival, the, the primary metric or the primary assessment has to do with um, seeing uh, so many, like heaps and heaps of people uh, giving their lives to Jesus. 
And that's the focus. It's, it's a focus on unbelievers giving their lives to Jesus. Now, it has all the attributes of a reawakening, but that's the focus. A reawakening's focus, uh, it, it, it does have unbelievers, lots of unbelievers giving their lives to Jesus, but its primary focus is seeing the church, the believers reawaken, to see the believers move from apathy to passion, from lethargy to, to boldness in their faith, from feeling lifeless towards God towards feeling uh, fresh, close, uh, alive in, in Jesus, having that genuine joy again. And it's in the reawakening of the church that thousands, tens of thousands, uh, even more, start turning to Jesus. So it has to do with the primary focus. And so we're, we're focused on working in the church and, and seeing the church reawaken and then see that impact go into our cities and nations and generations. That, that's what I want. That's what I want for you isn't that what you want for you? Don't, don't you want to see in your own life, going from here, wherever you are, towards feeling more fresh and alive with, with God of the Bible, feeling closer to Jesus than, than you ever had before? And then out of that closeness, uh, seeing your city, your, 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 your nation even, being impacted uh, as, you f- as you're walking closer and more alive with God. Seems, seems a little bit uh, too hard to believe, but that, 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 that could be true of you. You're like, well, I, if I just become more fresh and alive with God, will that really impact my city? But, but that's what we see in, in reawakenings. And so in January 2005, I made my second attempt at starting a church in the UK, which would be designed to prioritize the pieces that are common in every reawakening. When it comes to reawakenings, there's, there's three big pillars, and then there's other common things, and, and all of which, as I talk about them today, or at least I introduce them today, you're going to see that we push these things here, that we prioritize things here, these things here, that, that our church is full of, of these same priorities. So what I want to do today is I want to look at three significant nation-impacting reawakenings in the Bible— And with each of these moments highlighting one of the three major pillars connected to reawakening. The first pillar, the first major pillar in every reawakening is this. Every reawakening includes a return to the word of God. Every reawakening includes a return to the word of God, the Bible. One of the clearest examples of that in the Bible is in the book of Nehemiah. And, and basically the situation was is that people had been, uh, been exiled into Babylon during the days of Daniel and, and Nebuchadnezzar. And then after the exile, they were allowed to return. And when they returned, they, they were all fired up and they, and they started working on, on the temple. But then uh, life didn't go as they, they had hoped originally. And, and things weren't as successful and blessed as, as they had originally anticipated. <clears throat> and so they found themselves uh, struggling and, and actually going through uh, several years of, of disappointment. They started off with these high hopes of what God was going to do as they returned to the land, but, but they ended up settling into this multi-generational spiritual apathy. And it went on for, for decades, for decades. But then Ezra returns. And a few years later, Nehemiah returns. And those two go about laying the foundation for reawakening in their generation. 
over a couple year period of time until we get to Nehemiah chapter 8. And that's when things really take off. Here's what happens in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says this, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They, They asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Okay, so they started reading. They started reading out loud the Bible, out loud the Word of God, and, and helping people to understand it. And the response to the pe- of the people to the Word of God, it was, it was emotional. It was, it was amazing. It, there was heartbreaking conviction. And so we read down in verse 9. It says this. It says, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. So the word of God was being read and understood, and and their hearts were broken. Now, the the story continues. The story continues where where they're reading this every day, And, and, and on day two, they, they read that during, uh, the, during the Feast of Tabernacles, which they were in at that time, which we celebrate as the Autumn Feast here at Rehope, they, they read about the command in the Bible to build temporary shelters, uh, t- t- temporary dwelling places during that festival, and so they do. And this is what happens in verse 17. It says, the whole community that had returned from exile made shelters and lived in them. The Israelites had not celebrated like this from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. And there was tremendous joy. Ezra read out of the book of the law of God every day. From the first day to the last, the Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was an assembly according to the ordinance. Okay, so in this reawakening, the, the reading of the word of God it is central, and the people are feeling this deep conviction, and so they set out to obey the Bible more aggressively than any generation had since the days of Joshua. And they just kept reading the Bible during that celebration, week or day after day, day after day. And, and then we get down to chapter 9, verse 3, and, and we read this. While they stood in their places, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day and spent another fourth of the day in confession and worship of the Lord their God. So the reading of the Bible uh, brought about confession of sins, which is also a part of every reawakening, and worship. Again, revived worship is, is a part of, of reawakenings. Ultimately, as you keep reading through the story, as, as these people read the word of God, and, and as they respond to the word of God in, in all these powerful ways, the result was that the nation rededicates itself to God. 
The, the whole nation re- rededicates itself to following the God of the Bible. Now, one thing that I think would be easy to miss while, while looking at this story is that this nationwide reawakening began with two people. It began with two people who already loved the word of God. It began with two people who were already highly dedicated to obeying the word of God. That's how Ezra is described. That's how Nehemiah is is described. The reawakening of a nation begins with even just two people on on fire for the God of the Bible who love and obey his, his word. I believe that reawakenings begin when a few people fall in love with, with the word of God. And when they love it, when they keep reading it, and, and when they're dedicated to responding to it and, and doing whatever it says, you get a few people who do that, and, and over time, through them, reawakening could very well break out. I would expect it to. That's what we're trying to do here at, at Regarding Hope. Not just teaching the Bible, but trying to get everyone reading it and responding to it to, to help people love the Word of God again and, and see what it says and then, and then ultimately do what it says. Trying to cultivate a, a passion here for cover-to-cover Bible reading, cover-to-cover, cover-to-cover, year-after-year Bible reading that continues all throughout your life. This is why we do Bible read-through groups around here. It's, it's why it's at the very heart of our emphasis as we, as we are basically aiming to seek to lay the foundations of reawakening which start off with having, uh, having a love again for the Word of God. Point number one was every reawakening includes a return to the Word of God. The second pillar, the second thing is this. Every re- reawakening includes a return to powerful prayer. Every reawakening includes a return to powerful prayer. In fact, powerful prayer is usually at the flashpoint of every reawakening, every massive expansion of, of God's kingdom. I thought about talking uh, about Hezekiah and, and the revival that takes place in his day. I thought about talking about Jehoshaphat and the re- revival that takes place in, in his day. But there's, there's so many examples of this in the Bible. The one that I just want to zoom in on at, at this particular moment is in Acts chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. See, in Acts chapter 4, it's a scary moment. It's a scary moment. The, the, the church, it was, it was early days, and what had happened was is the apostles, Peter and John, they were, they were arrested, and then they were interviewed, and then they were threatened, and then they were threatened some more, and, and finally they're released. And it's, it's, it's an intimidating moment for um, a baby church, for this the church in its infancy. And so what did they do? Well, the church, instead of giving up in discouragement and, and fear and all that, they started, to, they, they started to gather together. And, and they started praying together. And, and they, they prayed to God to see the threats that were coming against them um, thwarted. They, they prayed to God to, to, see, to have the courage to speak boldly about Jesus. And, and, and as they speak boldly about Jesus, they wanted God to stretch out his hand and do incredible things. So in Acts chapter 4, they, they had this, this amazing, powerful prayer um, for God's help in, in that scary moment. And then what, what we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, flowing out of that prayer is these words. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God 
boldly. Flowing out of this powerful time in, in the next few verses, you read about this great uh, unity in the church. You read about this great generosity in, in, in the church. All of these things, unity and generosity, they're all part of, of, of reawakenings. Every reawakening, though, includes a return to powerful prayer. This is why we make such a big deal about pre-service prayer around here, why we keep encouraging people to come in and pray with us and intercede for what God's going to do in our church and in, the, in this gathering and what he's going to do in our city and, and nation and generation. We only have six membership commitments in our church. Only six. Uh, one of them is to love God. One of them is to love people. One of them is to be a part of a Bible read-through group, and, and, and you know why now. Uh, another one is to, to prioritize coming to, to pre-service prayer. To pre-service prayer. Again, this is why we make that a, a priority. We're not, we're not just trying to do church here. We're, we're not just playing some game. We're not just trying to just go through the motions. We are trying to lay the foundations of a long-lasting reawakening in your life and through your life into your spheres. The membership commitments, are, they're all about this. They're all about reawakening. One of the commitments is also about giving. Again, as I said before, and as we see in Acts here, giving is a part of reawakening, generosity. And, and one of the commitments is about serving. Again, all aspects of living out the obedient, reawakened life in Jesus. Okay, firstly, every reawakening includes a return to the Word of God. Secondly, every reawakening includes a return to powerful praying and thirdly, every reawakening includes a return to radical obedience. Every reawakening includes a return to radical obedience. Okay, my hands down favorite reawakening story in, in the Bible. Uh, if I could pick one story in the Bible that would, that would be our story as, as a church, this story would reflect my ideal. What I would, I would love to see, I'd love to see happen for our church. It would be my, my story, and it's, it's the story of reawakening that takes place in Acts chapter 19 in the city of Ephesus. So the, city, the situation is, the context is Paul, he, he's been in the city of Ephesus for a couple years, and, and the church there seems particularly strong. It, it, it's not a weak church. Paul's been there the, the whole time, and there's a bunch of believers there. He's been teaching and, and making some disciples in the lecture hall of Tyrannus for a couple years. He's been doing extraordinary miracles in, in the city in, in the name of Jesus, and I mean, the church just seems really solid for, for a couple of years. There's, there's great theology. There's great discipleship happening, miracles. I mean, what, what, what's not to like? In fact, before the reawakening happens, this is what we read about the church in Acts chapter 19, verse 10. We read this. It says, This went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia. Now, that is a massive geographical area. All the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Whatever Paul's doing there, and, and he's been doing for a couple years, it has had such an impact that everyone in the vast region, vast region, heard the word of the Lord. And then two verses later, you, you come to this um, a little bit of a bizarre story, I guess, where, where these, these brothers, these seven brothers, they, they are sons of a Jewish high priest, but 
they're not believers, and they try to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus, and, and they get wrecked. The, the demon just wrecks them. They're not believers in Jesus. They don't have the authority that comes with being a believer in Jesus. So they run out of the house naked and, and wounded, and uh, it, it's a fun little story. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there, this was a wake-up moment for the church. Th- th- this moment here where, where everyone who lived in Ephesus, they, they had a, they had a, I guess a come to Jesus moment, literally a come to Jesus moment, and, and the believers did something in response to that, that event that took a solid church, a genuinely solid church, and brought it into a powerful season of reawakening, both for believers and for the vast region, vast region. And here's what happens. Let me, let me read it. In Acts chapter 19, verse 18, it says, and many who had become believers, this is, this is what the believers are doing, the reawakening starting with the believers, who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated the value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way the word of the lord flourished and prevailed the believers they a solid church they confessed that their lives were actually hiding some compromise that there was a lot of compromise going on and, and they decided okay wait we got to take jesus seriously and they confessed they, they were believers but they weren't walking in in obedience and so they, they confessed and, and there were uh, these compromises. And then some of the believers, those who were practicing magic, they, they, they didn't just confess their sins. What they did is they boldly turned towards whole life obedience and they burned their scrolls. And, and, I, and I love this bit. Th- this church, in its return to wholehearted obedience to Jesus and everything, they, they just burned their magic books, which were valued at, catch this, a hundred and forty years wages for the common person. They burned these scrolls and their radical return to obedience worth a hundred and forty years worth of wages. This was a return to Jesus via costly, costly obedience. I, I love it. I, God loves it even more. And, and as, what happened as a result here is the believers are reawakening to God via radical obedience. And it said in the, in the passage, it said, in this way, in this radical turn to obeying God no matter the cost, in this way of confessing their compromises and returning to high cost obedience, in this way, the word of God flourished and prevailed. Before this moment, we read during the solid church time, before this moment, all the residents heard the word of God. But when the church reawakened and returned to radical obedience, then the message went from being heard to flourishing and prevailing. When the believers reawaken and return and they respond to the word of God, and when the believers reawaken and return to powerful prayer, and, and, and when the believers reawaken and live out 
radical obedience, then the message of Jesus can reawaken a city, can reawaken a a nation, a, a generation. Then the word of the Lord can flourish and prevail. This church was started and continues to exist to lay the foundations of long-lasting reawakening. We're preparing for, the, for this moment where, where the Spirit comes and, and takes this fire that, that starts in just maybe one or two or, or a few people and, and, and spreads it into to, to the church and into the churches and into our, our city and our nation and our generation. I, I, I'm eager to see this happen in our generation. I have heard... I have heard that this moment in, in our city is, is a window moment where there's a window of opportunity to see reawakening or revival catch fire right now. I, I've heard that's the case. May it be, and let, let's just dive in and, and go for it. This is our why behind everything. Why we do Bible read-through groups, well, now you know. Why we do pre-service prayer, now you know. Why do we do share time? Well, because praising God for what he has done via giving a testimony is one of the common aspects of, of reawakening. <laughs> Over the years, there's been pastors who come to visit, and, and they'll ask me about pre-service prayer. Brian, how can, you, how can you do that? How can you just trust people with the microphone? What if they say something weird? And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't say, well, our people read the Bible, and, and we, we try and help them there. I, I, I guess I'm not really too worried about someone saying the wrong thing because to me, it's, it's worth the risk. And it's worth the risk because praise is always connected to reawakening. So that's why we do it, even if it's dangerous or, or whatever. Why worship? Why worship? Well, why do we wor- it's connected. Why do we do Bible teaching? It's connected to reawakening. Why do we do offerings? Again, generosity in God's people is always connected. Why do we do prayer ministry? Because God's miraculous intervention in direct answer to prayers is always connected to reawakenings. It's behind everything we do. That's part, that, that, is, that word, that concept, that vision is at the heart of all the strategy that's going on uh, in, in this church and why it is, what it, uh, how it is. We've been at this for about 15 years now. 15 years, and, and there's been uh, growing years, and there's been shrinking years, years where things have been more effective and, and then less effective, but no matter what season we're in, we know that if we stay on our God-given purpose for existing as a church god is going to move god's going to move now because we're so mission focused more than anything else because we're so vision focused on on reawakening more than even just like we want to be a good church or whatever because we're so focused on that we don't typically fit in the traditional boxes as people are trying to assess uh what kind of church you are People ask me all the time, Brian, what, what kind of church is this? And oh, I have the hardest time with that. Usually I just kind of like, ah, uh, a, a good one. I, I like it. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a great answer for that. Because actually we're, we're a, a hybrid church. We're, we're a bit of a hybrid church. We're pulling from multiple Christian traditions in order to best fulfill our reason for existence as a church. So we have very strong evangelical Bible church aspects to our church. We have charismatic aspects. We have light liturgical aspects in our church. We have modern church aspects. We have aspects from uh, contemplative traditions in our church. We're not trying to 
build a certain type of church here. We're trying to build a church most strategically designed to seeing you and people through you reawakened again to God. And so we'll just pull on whatever, whatever it takes to, to help us uh, 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 be about our God-given mission. And I, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I believe God has you here for a reason. And, and really for this reason, to move from wherever you are to feeling more fresh and alive in Jesus. Now, if you've been here for a bit and, and, and you are a member, I mean, I just say, why not? Why not become a, a member here in our church? It's all about just being about this mission. You're saying like, yeah, okay, reawakening, I get it. That's what this church is about. Sure, that sounds great. Sign me up. I, I want to be a member here. Um, every one of the membership commitments is about being about reawakening in, in your life and in our city. So I, I, if, if, you, if you like this church, I just say go for it. It's very easy. Just go online onto the website and click on membership and, and uh, yeah, go for it. I've also, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing, but I, I've also started a, a, um, a podcast on iTunes and a SoundCloud called Reawakening. It, you can search for that. It's, it's kind of my uh, attempt at, at mentoring people. In my mind is people who are, are not here in Glasgow, but it, for anybody who wants to move from wherever they are in their connection with Jesus towards feeling more fresh and alive with Jesus. You can search for my name or, or reawakening if you want, if you want to look for that. What's going to happen now over the next several weeks is we're going to hear from different ones of our, our lead pastors, and what they're going to do is they're going to take different aspects of reawakening, and they're going to, they're going to focus on them week after week. And, and so my hope is, yeah, okay, my hope is that you'll learn a little bit more about the whys we do what we do, but more more importantly, my, my hope is that as we focus on the, the key things connected to reawakening over this next season, that as you lean in, as, as you seek to apply the things that we're talking about, and, and I, my hope is that it, at, by the time we get to Easter this year, that you will find yourself more in love with Jesus than you've ever been in your life. My, my hope is that, that you will feel more fresh and close with Jesus than ever before, that you will enter in some sort of a golden age, I guess, in your spiritual life with God. That's what I want with you. That's why we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about all that we're talking about. I, I'm looking forward to, to hearing the stories. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where we're going over this next season. Let me just pray a blessing over, over us all, over this whole church as we go into this next season together, talking about reawakening. Would you close your eyes with me? Father, I pray an extraordinary blessing over this next season in this church. I, I pray for a great protection, uh, a spiritual protection over the church during this season. And I I. I pray a blessing of rapid, rapid spiritual growth as we spend week after week talking about different pieces connected to being more fresh and alive with Jesus. I pray for reawakening. I pray for reawakening in every heart and life. Spirit of living God, do an extraordinary thing in this season in our church. Reawaken us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.